everyone. I'd love to welcome you to Where's My Other Shoe, a sanctuary for caregivers, the podcast that embraces you as a caregiver. I am here to help you understand the importance of your health so you can prioritize yourself while caring for your loved one. My name is Jean Powers. During my life, I have had caregiving experience from both sides of the coin. I was the caregiver for my mother when she dealt with cancer and passed away when I was only 13. To my spouse, who 11 years ago died in my arms from cancer. I have been a trauma psychotherapist for over 40 years and am an international life coach. I understand the complexities of caregiving, from deep feelings of loneliness to not feeling understood by anyone and overwhelmed. Much of the time, I will be co-hosting with my daughter, Serena, who has her own caregiving experiences that helped shape the amazing woman she is today. She was blessed with four special needs children and works in a psychiatric unit at a hospital in Minnesota. We both are here for you. I will also at times be hosting expert guests, sharing stories that are always from the heart. Join me for support, love, education, reinforcing self-care habits, and helping you change your belief systems that are not in your greater good. You've got their back. We've got yours. Hello. It gives me great pleasure to welcome you to Where's My Other Shoe, a sanctuary for caregivers. My name is Jean Powers. I have been a trauma psychotherapist for over four decades. I am also a certified life coach. I have been certified by the Show Presenter, not only for life coaching, but for meditations, which can be a life-saving tool for a caregiver. I have also worked with John Bradshaw in the early 90s. Um, John put the inner child work on the map, and I co-developed family systems work that not only helped heal addictions, but I believe spoke to caregiving in a tremendous way, even before caregivers were acknowledged for the love it requires. In my life and career, I have had the privilege of not only working with people that were struggling with their own life paths, but helping them walk the path of a caregiver. I know the isolation of a caregiver from both sides, which we will be sharing today. There are approximately 53 million Americans who are devoted to caring for a family member while also caring for themselves. Rosalind Carter, the former first lady of our country, once said, there are only four kinds of people in the world. Those who have been caregivers, those who are currently caregivers, and those who will be caregivers, and those who will need caregivers. And I would like to add the fifth. Anyone who is breathing and loving and putting others' needs sometimes before their own, in front of their own. I am starting a nonprofit called The Caregiver's Troop, where we will address the many issues that caregivers face. I am thrilled to introduce my first guest on our first podcast, Kathy Anderson. Kathy is a medical social worker for over 30 years. She has over 20 years of experience co-leading a grief camp for children. 
She is also a certified healing touch practitioner. Her knowledge and capacity for the caregiving population to me is uncomparable. When Kathy walks into a room, you know you are cared and loved. However, one of my favorite parts of Kathy is our Tuesday night's conversations. We have shared great joys and unbelievable sadness, and somehow we seem to know exactly what is needed at the right time. So it is with great joy, love, and appreciation that I welcome Kathy to share my first podcast. Welcome, Kathy. Hi, Jean. I'm very glad to be here with you. Just a little bit about my experience. I've been a medical social worker for 35 plus years, and I've worked with a lot of caregivers. The thing about caregiving is that it's unique to each person. Just I have been a caregiver for many different people in my life. And so we talk regularly on the phone, you and I do. And we were thinking that one of the first things to share about being caregiving, about caregiving, is that We have personal experiences with caregiving, and how has that impacted our lives? The first question that you and I talked about is, uh, what was the hardest part of being a caregiver? I think for me personally, I have been involved in taking care of children, taking care of parents, taking care of in-laws, taking care of my husband who died a long time ago. The hardest part for me is that when you're in the middle of it, You've got all these other responsibilities, too. You may be working. You may have children at home. You may have other people that you're taking care of. And you can be overwhelming. And I think the hardest part is just the fatigue and the wonderment. Is your life going to be like this for the rest of your life? And how in the world are you going to get through it? I think it's just so exhausting to be a caregiver. So that, for me, would be the hardest part, the the fatigue and the constant self-doubt. Am I doing this right? Should I be doing more? How can I do this? Um, What was your experience like, Jean? All of that and also the intensity of loneliness when you're caregiving. So I know we have this in common. We lost our moms when we were young. Um, I was 12 and you were 14. 14. And you just don't like move on at that point. So that first year after my mom died, I just came home every day, threw my books in the corner and sat in a chair. So on and off, because I have had other uh, caregiving experiences, I, my spouse recently passed, well, recently 10 years ago, 11 years ago, and uh, my daughter, Serena, who at the age of 14, got epilepsy. So there's all different kinds of caregiving. And and the hardest part of it was really, really, really feeling like nobody, nobody gets me. Nobody's there for me. And, and, and I can't leave to like even take a walk because you can't leave the person that is so very ill alone. And also the heartbreak when you're, when you're not with a community to hold you up. I agree, Jean. And the the loneliness, when I was a child, my mother got sick when I was 10 and a half years old. And she lived for four years completely dependent in a hospital bed in our home. And I was relating to other kids my age, and my life was so different than theirs that it was very hard to figure out how to navigate it all. And 
when she died, one of my friends, well-meaning, but said, you knew she was going to die, didn't you? Why are you so upset? And I just couldn't believe that somebody could say that to me. So, and they didn't know. They'd never experienced anything like that. This is not a criticism of them. But what I gained from that was the passion I have to help children. Back in um, my day, when I was young, we didn't talk to kids about what was happening. And so that has been part of my um, desire to work with children that are grieving is so that you can help children understand what's happening in their lives. Because what we can imagine often is far worse than what is. And so educating kids is a big thing. That's an aside. Um, but part of caregiving. It's, it's really right on. Because also, you were a caregiver before she passed, right? Just as I was. And so, you know, when, we can, we, when a child comes home from school to take care of a sick parent, it kind of puts a different tilt on, on the rest of your life. It kind of titrates it. Exactly. Well, the other question that you and I were talking about is how do you cope? Um, how do you cope during the time that you're a caregiver? And I would say that in all the different aspects of my life and caregiving, there were so many different factors on how I coped. My spirituality and my faith has been a big consistent. It is something that I have relied on and that I needed each and every time I was in the caregiving role. Uh, the support of others, people that loved me, that knew me, that could help in any way that they could, whether it was just listening to me or accompanying me on some journey that I had to do, or um, my mother-in-law used to always make food when I was in trouble. She would give me food to feed my family. So caregivers need support. And you get in this role where you think, I can do it all. I don't need anybody's help. At least I did. And um, I really encourage those out there that if there is anybody that's offering you help and you feel like that is coming from a good place, please accept help because you can't do it all by yourself. You just wear yourself out. I'm back to the exhaustion. Absolutely. And to like to piggyback on that, there's statistics out that say that caregivers die m- much more frequently than the people that they're caring for. Did that make sense? Or should exactly. I read? Yeah. And so caregiving is, it, it kind of, if you can see it as an all-encompassing, not illness, but a, a lifestyle, an all-encompassing lifestyle that you have to adjust to and, and become what you would want happening to you. So how did I cope? I coped uh, with a lot of tears. The first couple years of the both deaths, because I've also caregived in other ways. Not that caregived is a word, but it is now. The first year was really, really, really hard. Now, the loss of my spouse is still hard, and that's been 11 years. However, um, I have so many more tools and so many more things that I know to do and I try to keep my vibration as high as I can possibly keep it. And, and so it's better now, but I absolutely feel like caregivers need a place to come and be, and be a support, be a congregation, um, kind of share a spiritual oneness 
around caregiving. So a lot of what you're talking about, Jane, is, and it goes hand in hand, is how we cope after the loss of someone important in our life. And especially if you've been in a caregiving role for a long time, you're exhausted and then you're grieving. So in the midst of it, when you're in the midst of that heavy caregiving, are there tools that you learn to use for yourself? I would say that at one point in my life, with one caregiving role that I had, for my, my in-laws, for example, they were both older and beloved. I just loved them so very much. But it was very stressful. We had a village. There were lots of us involved. But walking. Walking was something that I was able to do because I wasn't there by myself. And it I walked and I walked and I walked. And that's how I coped during the process. And because I set that up before they died, then after they died and after my husband died before that, I walked. And it's uh, actually a coping mechanism that I still use today. Just oh, to cope part, with part of your charm, because I wish I could walk like you do. You're, you're amazing. Uh, the other things are meditation, right? So, the first thing in the morning when you, before your feet hit the ground, just do some deep breathing, um, get an intention for the day, know where you want your eyes to be placed on that day. Thank anybody for anything that you can think of. Like I can appreciate the fact that my, my lungs are going in and out. I'm not particularly thanking a person or a thing. I'm thanking the universe for having my back. And in spiritual, you know, if we're going to be spiritual about this, I would be thanking God. But it it doesn't really matter because we're all energy and um, and something's keeping us going while we're in such grief. So, you know, that would be that would be it. And and to take yourself very, very seriously, because if you go down, the whole ship goes down. And so caring for the self isn't just a throwaway term when it comes to caregivers. There are so many caregivers for so many reasons. My daughter has four special needs children, and she has to take such good care of herself because, again, if she goes down, right? So it's one of those things that you have to look at as it's a lifestyle change from what you know. Right. And I think that that leads us into the last question that we had. We were talking about the rewards of caregiving and the sweetness. We've talked about the sweetness that comes of caregiving. I, I love your gratitude. I, I think that that helps us to look at life with a very different eye, if we can be grateful. But the sweetness of caregiving is that sometimes if you're in the midst of a situation where you're just so angry that you're there, you didn't want to be there, this isn't the way you thought your life would be, you just can't believe this is happening, if you stay there, I mean, it's normal to be there, but if you stay there and you don't find a way out of it, you can miss the sweetness. My father, again, is a good example. Uh, after my mother died, he remarried right away, and I went to live with my sister. So I had a relationship with my dad, but not what you would necessarily call a close relationship. And later, his wife died, 
and I became his caregiver. And it was a real big challenge. And there were moments, though, in the physical taking care of somebody and being present with them and helping them navigate medical situations and figuring out your daily routine that I felt a closeness with him that I would never have had had I not been his caregiver. That to me is something that I will always remember, always remember. And then when he was very ill, my brother and my sister and I were all with him and we were able to be a family for the first time in 30 plus years. And I treasure that. It's a memory that I will always carry with me. But there is a sweetness. Do you know what I mean by that? Like just the sweetness. Yeah, because caregivers, it's kind of like going through the war together, right? You you bond so much on so many different levels that you know you get closer to who walks it with you, you get closer to the person you're caregiving. It it really can a very beautiful uh walk with them in terms of, you know, asking them questions about, you know, any belief system they have, just listening to their life story so that you know it, so that you hold their memories and, the, and it goes through and it goes on. And even if you're caregiving and your partner or your person or your family member that you're caregiving isn't dying, still the same. So you, um, you would ask and you would learn and you would get closer, use the opportunity of vulnerability to get really close and to um, remind yourselves why you love each other. That's beautiful. And the, the I would say one more thing about caregiving. Sometimes we're caregiving, you're the person that's being cared for and you don't want to accept anybody's help. One of the ways you can love your the people that are in your life is by allowing them to help you um, because they feel helpless that this has happened to you and they want to do something. So by allowing them in to help you, you're doing, you're giving them a gift. And um, I think that's beautiful too. The, the other thing that I would say is that sometimes we're caring for people who can't communicate with us on the, in the traditional manner, but I have witnessed communication that takes place on deep, deep, deep levels. And it's just beautiful. Um, if you're in one of those situations, if you're listening to this, I bet you understand what I'm saying. So if you're a caregiver, be open to the sweetness. Yeah. To the fact that um, you learning doesn't end. It just doesn't. And loving doesn't end. It just doesn't. Exactly. And I know that for me, when my spouse died, Kathy, you were um, such a major part of my healing process. I don't know what I would do, what I would have done without you. So, so there's that. And then there's groups that you join, right, uh, that support each other, even if it's on Zoom, you know, because COVID knocked a lot of groups out. Rightfully so, because when you're caregiving somebody that's that is in their immune system is compromised, you're you're not only not going to want to go to a group, but you're not going to want to go out because then you can bring back something, possibly. And so you you kind of err to the to the conservative side 
and, uh, and take care of not doing things that aren't necessary to do. So again, that adds to isolation. So this is really about how to uh, have a community that you feel safe in, that you can speak from the heart in, that, uh, that teaches you how to be the best you, that reflects you back. And I think that is in today's world with all the resources that we have available to us through the internet, through communities, through the podcast and the, the nonprofit that you're doing, there are ways not to feel so alone. I have one last thought on caregiving, and that is please do not compare yourself to somebody else. You know, you look at somebody else and they're managing everything and you're like, oh, my gosh, why can't I do that? Uh, each situation is unique. You're unique. Each person's unique. And um, you, your support has been very important to me and all the losses that I've had and the caregiving situations that I've been in, Jean. So I appreciate you very much. Right back at you. And I know that caregiving is really, we all do it in some way, shape, or form. It's whether we look at it as, um, as a stressor or we look at it as part of our daily life. So I invite you to come back to my podcast and we'll talk about the kind of the overwhelm that caregivers get into and, and how to help yourself through that. But for now, I thank you so much for joining us and um, see you soon. Okay, thank you, Jean. It would be greatly appreciated if you would like this podcast. Follow and subscribe so we can continue to grow our community. See you soon. And don't forget, you've got their back. We've got yours.